Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. The energies of crop circles. Lucy Pringle with James Lyons. Lucy is with us tonight, recognized as an authority on the effects of electromagnetic fields on living systems. Lucy is one of the world's leading crop circle photographers and researchers, a founding member of the Center for the Crop Circle Studies. She lectures internationally, lives in England. Lucy, welcome back to the program. And, uh, what a great book. The pictures are amazing. Did you take most of those? Yes, I did. Yes, how nice to hear you, George. Yes, I did. Um, well, and um, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's quite an art taking those pictures, and you need a good pilot, et cetera, et cetera. Is it England, Lucy, where the crop circle phenomena began? Well, it seems as though it was, but I think maybe it just found its... Um, it's based in England, and and many people ask why that could be. And I think that possibly the answer to that is that we have many, many sacred sites. And all those sacred sites are on crossover energy lines, and that's one of the vital parts of where the force hits. It has to be uh, on a crossover point of an energy line. That's just one of the, one of the criteria that is um, is necessary. Some of the designs, Lucy, for these crop formations are absolutely staggering. They really are. Oh, they're amazing, and the geometry involved, George, is is quite is quite unbelievable. We had one two years ago at a place called Martinsell Hill uh, in um, Wiltshire, and it was. So complicated geometrically. I'll tell you exactly what some before Michael Glickman wrote to me. He said, I've been drawing the circles now for nearly 30 years. That is drawing the circles after they've appeared. And I was astonished by the skill and precision embodied in the Martinsell Hill. It is, in my view, one of the top 10 formations we've received. It contains 28 pentagrams. And 140 precisely formed isosceles triangles, each with a prime angle of 36 degrees, which automatically generates a golden section. Any suggestion that this meticulous and majestic crop formation might be man-made made is bizarre to the point of <laughs> I believe it. I mean, if these were man-made, Lucy, how long would they take a couple people under the cloak of darkness, probably, to make these things? Oh, uh, now that's an, another excellent question, uh, George. There was one um, in 2001 in the Wandsdyke. Now, the Wandsdyke is the highest part of Wiltshire. And you look down and you can see all the surrounding countryside. It's absolutely magical up there. And this particular one formed overnight. What was really, really interesting about it was that it had been raining that night. And if you're going to walk down a tram line, which is the lines in the field, and you're then going to step into the crop, because you will have muddy feet having walked down the, the lines. Sure. You're going to leave a smear of mud wherever you flatten the crop. Well, when the first person went in the, the morning when he was discovered, there wasn't 
any 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 mud on the fallen uh, crop at all. It was absolutely as clean as could be. In addition to which, it was deeply rutted ground, and the I, I can't. It is, it is a, there is a picture in my book. I, I wish I could tell you exactly which page it is, but it was called the one site, um, and it, it was absolutely extraordinary. And the, the one of the because there are um, several people who do make circles. So I'm never I never say that all the circles are genuine because they're not. And it's really through experience and doing scientific tests that one can differentiate between the two. But I received a message from the circle makers, they, um, who I think there were three of them, and they said, here's something to ponder. If this formation were man-made, allowing for the time to get in, into and out of the field under cover of darkness, the construction time left would be about four hours. Given mm. that there are over 400 circles, there were actually 409, mm-hmm. some of which span approximately 70 foot in diameter, that would mean that one of those circles would need to be created every 30 seconds. And that's not even allowing any time for the surveying, purely flattening. This formation pushes the envelope and that's a massive understatement. My brain hurts. I so, love that. <laughs> they were uh, extraordinarily honest. And in one of the books that I wrote, I actually gave them credit for this because, I mean, they said it was quite impossible for man to have made that. What was it that got you involved in this, Lucy, for the very first time? Oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was over 30 years ago. And both my boys, my sons, had left home. And suddenly there was a sort of empty, an emptiness in my life. Because oh, you know, sure. Because you've been devoting your time to looking after something and your time has been completely taken up. And suddenly you, you don't have anything. And it, it can be quite, quite, uh, quite um, uh, shattering. So I thought, well, I can either sink right down into, into the depths of despair or I can gird up my loins and think of something to do. And it just so happened that the crop circles were forming in the area in the early days where I lived in Hampshire. And I've always been fascinated by the unexplained. So this, I fell into this quite naturally and happily. And it was right at the sort of beginning of the proper academic uh, investigation and research. And I was asked to be a founder member of the Crop Circle, uh, Center for Crop Circle Studies. Unfortunately, that's now defunct. Ah. But I came in as a dowser. And then I discovered very quickly that, that certain things were happening to people in the fields. And I thought, well, now this is an area of research that, that nobody is investigating is what is happen- happening to human beings when they go into circles. And that was what started me off on my, well, this line of research that has continued ever since. And I got out a questionnaire, and I now have over 800 reports. And uh, that's huge. Database in the world. How long, Lucy, does somebody have to stay in a crop circle to be healed? Ah, now then, 
you're not always healed when you're in a circle. I have to point that out. Okay. You can actually feel very, very ill. In fact, I took a group of people into one at Auburn. I remember one summer, and I didn't feel well as soon as I went in. But really? Other people. So it's got these. It's got the opposite effect sometimes. Oh yes, George. Indeed, it has. And as I came out, because I made certain everybody's all right, then I came out and there was a member of the group outside, and I said, oh, why didn't you go in? And she said, the moment I stepped into it, I had to come out quickly. But, so, I mean, yes, you can have ill effects, and I always, I always say that if you don't feel well, come out immediately. But I, mean, hmm. I don't know how long people have to stay in when a healing uh, occurs. It's can can you say, you, L- you Lucy? Can, time when you go in. Can can you say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, though, that some people have been healed being in crop oh, circles? Absolutely, without a doubt. There's a wonderful story of a great friend of mine called Colette Arda, and she'd broken her collarbone, and she came into uh, a circle with me. Um, oh, this was a long, long time ago, and I was asking people to look down and, and, and check for little places where I could bury my bottles, because at that time I was also testing water buried in the crop circles uh, against controlled samples outside. And she said, oh, I've broken my collarbone. It's, it's, it's quite painful to, to bend down and stretch out with my arm. Anyhow, after she'd been in the circle, she had to go and see her physiotherapist on a regular basis. And her regular physiotherapist wasn't there. She was on holiday, so she saw another one. And that physiotherapist said, I don't know why you've come to me. Why have you come to me? And Colette said, well, I've broken my collarbone. And the physiotherapist said, no, I don't think you have. And Colette said, well, we'll look at the X-ray. And so she looked at it, and she said, yes, yes. But she said, this is most extraordinary. She said, I've never seen anything like it before, because when somebody breaks their collarbone, they're left with a tiny little bump on their, on their collarbone area. And she said, you haven't got a bump. And Colette <laughs> liked to say, well, I've just been in a crop circle. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you gotten to the point, Lucy? That I, I've got my own theories on crop formations. I have. Yeah, I, I, I let me let me throw it your way and just get your reaction to it. Yes, do please. I, I believe that planet Earth is a living organism, just like you are, just like I am. It's alive. It just happens to be a big round sphere, but it's alive. And I think it's the planet trying to communicate with us. I don't know exactly what these formations say. We'll get into some of that tonight with you. But I believe it's the planet trying to tell us something. And so it makes these formations. What do you think of that? Well, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more about the, the, uh, the planet being a living, breathing organism. That was James Lovelock's theory, the Gaia concept, where he, he very strongly uh, told us, of, well, he, this, is, this is his theory, and I've always gone along with it. I think they certain, certainly, Gaia, if you like to call it that, plays a part, but there seems to me to be 
quite a number of aspects that are involved in the formation of these circles. Um, it's really an electric force, which we know descends from probably the ionosphere. Well, it, it all depends. It all really stems from the sun, which is, which is a battery. And if you think of the battery and a negative and a, and a positive part, the sun is the positive and the earth is the negative. And there's an attraction and the energetic, uh, the energy comes down in spiraling forces and penetrates um, the ionosphere and um, our radiation belt and uh, enters. And it, then if they form what is really the main um, energy lines which run north, south, and east, west in our planet. And alongside those are a whole, there's a myriad of tiny little light lines. And they, some of them they meet and they cross. Mm -hmm. And these are energies, places of huge, huge energy. So you get this electric force coming down and meeting the aquifers underneath. And again, this is all part of the intelligence of the, of the planet. I like that. Now, what about the UFO theory? Does that still pop up? Oh, yes. <laughs> because people yes, do indeed. see lights around these formations when they're being they made. They jolly well do. They jolly well do. And sometimes I, I've heard stories of men trying to make a circle and a light has appeared. Huh. And it, it seems to be following them. <laughs> And they've been so frightened. It seems to be such an intelligent light that that they've taken to their heels and they've fled. I mean, they've really been frightened. It's 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 intelligence to this orb or, or light, whatever you want to call it. Are these formations happening, Lucy, all over the country, all over the uh, all over the world? Well, no, no, no. They don't really because they again part of the formation process has to be in chalk uh, because you get the aquifers underneath and the, that's the underground springs and they are a vital part of the whole formation process and this only happens in chalkland. So you get a huge band of chalk going all the way over uh, southern England, really from Somerset right out to Kent in uh, the east. And you get another band in round Warwickshire and Oxfordshire, and then another band in Yorkshire. Hmm. And this is this is where they they happen. I think over ninety percent are are all on 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 chalkland. Ninety percent of the genuine ones. We don't get that many here in the United States. How come? I know you used to. And I know it's it's slowed down. It's slowed down, and in fact, it's slowed down in in England too. And I sometimes wonder to myself whether this is a finite phenomenon or not. I, I cannot answer that, but it seems to me that uh, this is where we come back to an intelligence behind it, um, George. That the greater the interest, the more they seem to proliferate. And the interest has died down considerably in England, really due to the press, because the press make a point of only interviewing people who they consider have made the circles. And it's, um, it's a very strange atmosphere in the crop circle world over here now, 
there are very few of us who are seriously dedicated in research. And this this is, um, I, well, in fact, I'll tell you what's very interesting is that in the Netherlands and, and in Italy uh, this, this last summer, there were huge amount of crop circles. It seemed to me that they were moving to the continent where there is a huge amount of interest. When you look at the pictures and many of the photographs that you've supplied for your book, The Energies of Crop Circles, these designs are amazing. But what do they mean? Do you have to be like um, a scientist to figure them out? or Is, there, is it a code? <laughs> well, some are very, very obvious, but other ones, I think, depend on each individual interpretation. Um, some people may see it as one thing, another person may see a formation as another thing. But there have been one or two which are totally obvious. There was one in the 1st of June in 2008, which appeared just below the, um, the Barbary Iron Age Hill Fort, which is a huge, huge Iron Age Hill Fort. And I tried to walk around it once. It took me just about all day. Uh, but this one appeared, and it was without a doubt pi, uh, the mathematical mm-hmm. constant, you know, which represents the ratio of any circle's circumference to its diameter. In, in a and simple form, I guess, right? It was. It was pi to the power of nine. And it was quite incredible. It was a man called Mike Reed who um, got in touch with somebody in the States who immediately got in touch with me who first deciphered this. And he had impeccable references. He'd worked at the University of Arizona in Tucson on the multi-mirror telescope, which was the MMT, at Mount Hopkins, which was a joint venture with the Harvard-Smithsonian Observatory. So he knew what he was talking about. And he sent me a little diagram. Well, he sent his friend in the States a diagram, and she posted it on to me. And then we we actually, it's rather like a pie chart, and we we colored it up. His was just in pencil. And it it was really astounding. I mean, there could be no mistake that there was any other interpretation for this circle. And at the top, there were three little, little, um, Little, well, well, I suppose little circles just around the perimeter. And they weren't spheres and they weren't um, circles. They were what is called an ellipsis, S-I-S. And that means in geometrical terms, and so on, which is exactly what pi is. It was, it was really quite incredible. We've had one or two other ones that can have no other meaning except for one. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.